This week on The Reverse Stick, Matt umpired and quite enjoyed it. We pinch an interview off Ashley Morrison and don't you just love the crack of a goal? Welcome to The Reverse Stick. I'm John Lee and you're... Matt Allen. Am I? Yes, I am. Yes. Well done. It's show 86 of the Global Hockey Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us once again as we talk all things hockey from around the world. 86, John. Super year, 1986. The Men's Hockey World Cup was held in Wilsdon in London. It was. And uh, I didn't make it along. My dad went, though. Got the programme. I've uh, seen that program. You have indeed. Australia obviously uh, won the tournament there, uh, and uh, it winning was goal, or a goal in the final, scored by number two guest on the program, Terry Walsh. That's right. Uh, Rich Charles with top scorer for the tournament, six goals. Fantastic tournament too. It was a great tournament, um, and you know my inspiration in those young Bob years, Taylor in goals. Ian right? Taylor. Ian Taylor. Ian, Ian Taylor, Taylor was my Bob inspiration. Taylor's you know, he, that's it. We he was uh, he was the man that inspired me to uh, put the pads on. Oh, really? Look where that ended up. Umpiring at the weekend. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> now let us let us in on this. So, you umpired? Yeah, well, we had some in, interclub uh, scratch matches. I'm still injured. Thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> oh, you didn't? No. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's probably the first time in my life that I've taken the whistle and actually quite enjoyed it. And wanted to do it. I, you know, I, normally these sort of things, I'm organising teams and players, and you do this, it's and you do that. I just, I want it. Well, this is it. I, and I sent Keely, I sent Keely a message. I said, "You've inspired me." I actually, it's the first time I've umpired without moaning about it in the first place, or, um, you know, this kind of like I was saying, this kind of thing. I, I uh, palm it off to other people to do it and get out. You just, just get on with it. But I enjoyed it. You know what? I love the authority. Huh? Oh, did you? Yeah. Very, Is that an apartment I, love my authority sort I, of way, or? <laughs> I felt very uh, empowered. Um, and this was uh, under twelves, was it? Uh, no, it was pro- <laughs> proper men. We had a bit of bants as well, you know, some some good humoured bants, but their their hockey playing skills were uh, far inferior to my umpiring skills. Uh, so I didn't mind it. I'm, th- I'm fancy, and uh, I might have a bit of a stint at the old international umpiring. It, it went that well. <laughs> You do realise that your different definition of a bit of bands is different from most people, and what what you would describe as a a bit of bands would, by other umpires, be described as vicious slander. Oh, John, I see no reason to change your decision. News, and let's see what sort of news have we got. Well, the only real international match news, Matt. Was uh, the matches between Ports, Portugal and Switzerland in Lisbon, the 8th and 10th of March last weekend. Three tests played uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And uh, match one was won by uh, Switzerland, 2-1 over Portugal. Match two was won 8-0 by Switzerland over Portugal. And the final match, a uh, 5-1 victory to Switzerland over Portugal there. Um, some interesting things to note from that game. Uh, most notably the squads um, and this was pointed out to me thanks to Rob Abbott uh-huh. uh, don't mention don't, no we're not going to mention no. Rob All right. 
I got it from him though. How is okay, Rob? he's very good. <laughs> he's always good, Rob. He's always smiling, isn't he? Um, okay, this, now the, the squads are interesting because Rob asked, mentioned that you might want to have a look at the ages of the squad, and I, I did go through some of the ages and. I looked at the Portugal squad first of all, and I was surprised to find in a squad of 24 players there uh-huh. were t- two 14-year-olds, what? One f- <laughs> two 14-year-olds, one 15-year-old, two 16-year-olds, five 17-year-olds, and six 18-year-olds in their national team. If you're good enough, you're old enough. Well, that, <laughs> that that's sort of part of the argument. Um, it must be said of all of the players named in the squad, uh, only one of them has no caps to their name prior to this. So even the 14-year-olds have had one crack at international <laughs> hockey before this, because uh, that fellow who hasn't played a, a, a test at this stage is 20 years old. Late um, developer, obviously. Yeah, now, obvi- I started to... Look, I I got into the stats of it, and I must admit it was it was a bit mind-mending um, for, for reasons not to do with any of the teams necessarily, but... Um, the, the team details for each team on the team list, you print them out and you see them, shirt number one, blah, 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 was all very good. However, when you look at the match sheets, shirt number one isn't actually listed as player number one, or it is in the t- case of Portugal. But, uh, say, Vasco Ribeiro, who's listed on the match sheet as being number three, is not number three on the on the team details list. It's Bartolomeu Portugal. Uh, he's listed as being... Oh, sorry, look, sorry, so what's, what's that fellow's name? We're not going there. No, no, so please. What's his, no, what's his name? Bartolomeu Portugal. Um, where's he from? Portugal. Is it the same spelling? Yes. Is it? It's Australianese. Leave it alone. Okay. <laughs> okay. Don't go there. Not, this is hard enough as it is. Look, the Portugal team has 24 players playing in the team. In it, Portugal. <laughs> Don't start. You're winding me up. Has 24 players in their squad for those three tests. Test matches with a combined total of 436 games uh-huh. with an average age of 18.16 right. years. Wow. Okay. Now, that sounds quite young for an international team playing a full international match. Yep. Then I looked at Switzerland. Switzerland has 18 players in their squad for a total of, relatively similar, 434 games. Okay. Six players left. A- average of 24 across that team. Right. Age wise. Um, however, uh, one of the players has five caps listed, but no age or birth date. So I had to do a, you've got to take him out of the equation. Okay, right. Okay, or, or find out his age or birth date. Yeah, well, I just took him out of the yeah, equation. You need half so a day to do it. That leaves 429 players, 17 man squad, an average of 25.3. We're getting there. However, there's an outlier here. This is Switzerland. One bloke's played 100 tests. Uh huh. Now, if you take that one player out of the equation, that average drops from 25 to 19. Right. So he's 83 years old. Is that right? Something like that. <laughs> it's just the way it works out. For Look, <laughs> I did the statistics. You know that they are dodgy as. If you took the outlier player who's had the most caps out of the, um, the, the Swiss team, you get... Down to um, 16. Oh, the sorry, the Portuguese team, 16.6. So the the players played the most caps, 52 caps. You take his numbers out of the entire team, and the players left have an average age of 16.6. For those playing along at home at the moment, it'd be a good time to bring out your pens and pencils, <laughs> and make a few notes. There will be a quiz later on. 
Look, it's very young. They had 10 players under the age of 18 and then 16 year olds out of a squad of 24. That's 16 out of 24. Sounds like, sounds a bit like a pro league at the moment. Eight blokes potentially could go to the bar. Unless (laughs) if they were in the United States. There's, the oldest is 24. Yeah, you need drivers as well. It's just interesting, I thought. Yeah, yeah. These are elite athletes. Why would they be going to the bar, John? Ridiculous concept. Um, any other international results? No results, apart from the Pro League. But if you want to find out what's happening in the Pro League, guess where you have to go? Where'd you go, John? Totally, totally Pro, Pro League. League. And uh, if you're listening to this um, podcast, there's a fan chair chance you already know about that because it's in the same feed but of course if you want to catch episode three of the push past pundit that's on a separate feed now so search spotify search google podcasts apple podcasts your favorite podcast provider or you can go to the website the net. just get the xml feed off there pop it into your podcast player and it will automatically come to you so that show number three of the push past pundits whilst we're on india john just quickly on results well uh, oh, push past pundits, yeah. of course. Uh, Bombay Bad Gold India. Cup is taking place at the moment in Mumbai. Uh, semi-finals have just finished up there. Punjab and Sindh Bank beat South Central Railway 2-1 in the first semi. Goals from Ranjot Singh and Navdeep Singh enough to get the win. Uh, Sandeep Kumar Singh, the uh, goal scorer in the 59th minute of the late consolation for South Central Railway. And in the other semi-final, Indian Oil 7 uh, two winners over Barat Petroleum and uh, oh, seven different goal scorers there um, throughout the game for Indian Oil and two goals from Darshan Gorkar for Barat Petroleum so that's taking place in the next 24 hours 36 hours or so John wherever you're listening at the moment uh, big tournament over there yeah yeah and plenty of hockey going on it's a pity that we can't get access to that no hockey, stream unfortunately but uh yeah, we'll keep working on those sorts of things as a hockey community I hope uh, some things coming up we've got a Hong Kong triangular tournament happening senior men's and women's open from the 22nd to the 24th uh, Hong Kong China uh, Taipei uh, let me get this correct okay it's Hong Kong China men's and women's Thailand men's and women's and also in what looks like being a very interesting local derby uh, Chinese Taipei so uh, that tournament's been going on. I'm not sure if it's being live-streamed or not, but look out for the Hockey Live and uh, for the links. And yeah, hashtag live-stream hockey. That's it. Uh, we've also got Sultan Aslan Shah Cup. You know, we've got a couple of things to talk about, but basically it will involve India, Japan, Canada, Korea, Malaysia and Poland. Yes. Because there's been some conjecture. A very late entry there. Uh, South Africa have drawn out fairly late in the piece due to financial reasons. Well, for regular listeners, that that won't surprise you in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, it's uh, the head coaching role there is a volunteer position, so making their way over to, to a tournament like the Sultan Aslan Shah Cup would would be nice, but it's uh, just too expensive to do it. A lot of people are finding that in hockey at the moment, aren't they, John? Um, oh, so sure, yeah, a lot po- of things Poland, are expensive. Poland step in, um, but uh, Australia, New Zealand, England, Argentina, all regular uh, participants at the tournament uh, are obviously all involved at, at pro league at the moment. Can't say I've seen much. I'm looking forward to some of those games because I haven't seen much of Poland in the 11-a-side format, in yep. proper 11-a-side hockey. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they match up against some of these teams. And yeah, interesting tournament. Um, 
uh, there was posts made in social media during the week about the relative strength of the tournament and about the, you know, so be it, whatever it is. It's always been a good, well-competed tournament. Um, but the Japan, Korea, Malaysia, all teams that, um, you know, have got something really to play for. Yeah. Apart absolutely. from just the, uh, I think for the Indians, it's very much just like, a, I don't want to use the term practice run, but I don't think too much hinges on it as far as they're concerned. Well, no, what hinges on it is that development of those eight, development, those yeah. eight, eight or yeah. nine youngsters that, that, that are stepping in for um, some of the more established players, whether they're out for, for reasons of injury or whether they're out for selection reasons, it's, uh, it's opportunities there for them. And um, they, India come up against Canada and Malaysia, two sides that they've had various incidences with in the uh, past two or three years and uh, uh, don't always come out on top. So and it would be interesting. You've really also interesting. got the op- Poland and India. When was the last time Poland played India? We'd have to look that up, and even then, I know what a nightmare. Barrett Joshi would have those facts, but I rare on a full test, I would think. They're they're the great fixtures because they come around so rarely. That I I would I would love to have a look at that game. Now I would expect India might give them a little bit of a lesson, but you never know. The great underdog story would be India beating them, and I'd love that. Japan, the Blue Samurai, won the Asian Games. They did. They're ranked 18th in the world on the FIH World Rankings, whereas Poland are are ranked 21st. Uh, there's not a huge gulf there. They're just Poland's issue is they're in bloody Europe. <laughs> That's uh, so they're they're, they're never going to um, excel in the at the top level tournaments when they've got countries like Germany, GB, Netherlands, and so on and so forth ahead of them. I just thought of something. Go on. I reckon I can think of the last time that India played Poland. Go on. At the World Cup you mentioned at the beginning of the show. 86. Pol- ah, yeah, Poland were in that World Cup, they weren't were? they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, might not be right, but... Oh, yeah, it's a good chance they did. Don't have it with me at the moment, unfortunately. But I wouldn't tell you anyway. No. I don't tell you that they played then. And they might not, They might have missed each other at that World Cup yeah, <laughs> through yeah. the draw, I'm not sure. But anyway, good guess, John. Um, some more... Of, hey, uh, I'm going to tell you. Oh. I've, I've got it right up here on the screen, as luck would have it. Uh, yeah, same group, Pool B. Uh, Poland won 1-0 on the 5th of October 1986. Is that the last uh, time they played? Uh, I don't know. We'll look that up while I tell you about the upcoming Pan Am nah, Test can't Series. Be can't be bothered. Get on with it. <laughs> it's going on in Lima from the 23rd to the 27th. No one's confirmed there yet, but it is a Test Series for the Pan Am Games. And uh, we've also got, coming up, um, towards the end of the month, from the 26th to the 4th of May, the FIH finals in Kuala Lumpur involving Austria, Belarus, Canada and Wales in Pool A and Brazil, China, Italy and Malaysia in Pool B. That's for the men because the Chinese women, of course, are playing in the Pro League. Um, and I'm not I'm just sure... just trying to find, that, find it on the uh, Hockey Series finals because uh, we've got the pools um, for France as well, haven't we? Uh, yeah, there's a there's a hockey pro league. I'm sorry, hockey world series coming up in um, India as well. Uh, let's go to the FIH wonderful match centre where we got all of our little informations from. And whilst we're talking about hockey series, uh, hockey series finals that were due to be held in Dublin from oh, the yeah, good uh, 8th of June to the 16th of June. Uh, will now no longer be held in Dublin because uh, pitches aren't ready at the two new, uh, uh, well, one existing and one one new venue that are uh, uh, 
getting new turf down. So it will now be moved to Northern Ireland to Banbridge Hockey Club, um, who have uh, hosted uh, various tournaments up there in the past and have done it done it really well. Um, interesting to see how they go. It's quite a small town. There's be a, be a fair influx of people. Um, it's not like we've got a, a Lalit Hotels group um, special <laughs> just around the corner. Uh, so. Uh, but yeah, well done to Banbridge for stepping in to help out. Interesting that the FIH can announce a tournament in Dublin. Um, bearing in mind, uh, certain people made a trip down to Australia to inspect the grounds uh, for fitness, fit, fitness of purpose for the Pro League, um, but didn't think to check whether there'll be a pitch available in Dublin in time. Anyway, shorter, it is happening. It's a shorter flight from Lausanne to, to Dublin, you know. And of course, Matt, that's the women's hockey series finals going yep. on in Dublin, 8th to the 16th of June. Basically at the same time from the 6th but, to the 16th. But not in Dublin. Ju- <laughs> not in Dublin, that's correct. Uh, from the 6th until the 16th in Babanazwar, the senior men's hockey series finals are in operation as well. Uh-huh. Uh, there's also, um, hockey series finals laid down for La Touquet in France from the 15th to the 23rd of June and women's series finals in Hiroshima in Japan the 15th to the 23rd of June you know I was pulling up that info from the FIH site before John and uh, just to get the news piece on the draws for uh, La Touquet was it La Touquet? that's the way I said it was it? Oh, just, I just go anyway. And I got mesmerised by the La social. Cuette. I got mesmerised. La Quet. La Quet. La 2K. Yeah, I probably got that wrong. La Quet. Touquet. Touquet. Be Touquet. L. It's T O U. Yeah, be Touquet. Yeah. La Anyway, I got mesmerised by the social wall on the FIH.ch site. Guys, check it out because you've got posts going up on there from the Men's World Cup in 2018 and it's the first 20 lines on there um, you need to work on the filters with whoever the uh, the app provider is there little gripe um, <laughs> but yeah news John do you want to do you want to know do you want to know what's going well, on in Left 2K or? at the moment <laughs> I was just mentioning it was coming up local we'll weather no, yeah. not, not local weather. Let's just look. That's basically the news, though. Have you got any other news that's not a discussion topic? Pools and match schedules confirmed for FIH series finals in Valencia and Le Touquet. When are the Valencia? That doesn't come up on the bit I'm looking at. But you go for it. Oh, it's just it's just the same news that you give me anyway. Valencia, Pool, Spain, Belarus, Canada, Namibia, and Pool B, South Africa, Italy, Wales, and Thailand. Men's, women's, and that's the women's in Valencia. The, uh, okay. 19th and 27th, and the women's and the men's in La Touquet, Ireland, Egypt, Scotland, Singapore, in Pool A, and Pool B, France, Korea, Ukraine, and Chile. All looking for those uh, spots to get to the Olympic Games. That's right. And we'll probably talk about that at more of the pointy end when it comes important to teams. Well, that's, yeah, those qualification events now. will be October, November, and end of the year. Okay. We're going to play one of these and move on because we've been yabbering for long enough. Oh, where do we go now, Matt? We've got an interview to get to. Right, OK. Briefly then, um, sad face came through to me with regard to my blue card comments last week. We've got a correction to come in. Uh, I just... Uh, I hadn't got that far. I didn't get to page 66, to be honest, in 
the latest Hockey World News edition 9 um, and that was Keeley's piece on the blue card in the Belgiums uh, so I just kind of guessed that it was a call you jets last week when I said that but it's not, it's not. you know what it's for mate do you know what it's for have you the read the article card. the blue card yeah well I've been informed of the article did you read the article <laughs> no I couldn't no. quite force myself didn't get to pay 66 no no um, alright the blue card is an, init- an in, 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 in initiative uh, from Belgium um, as a fair play card so it's something that's to be awarded by umpires when an outstanding moment of fair play is, uh, has been witnessed by them for example uh, you kick the ball over the line to score a goal and you put your hand up and turn around and say Sorry, guys, I actually kicked that after the goal has already been awarded. And do you know what will happen then, John? Um, you'll laugh. No, you get the blue card shown at you, and you'll look up and you go, what the fuck, what, what's that mean? Unless you were really looking to get the blue card. And why would you want to do that, John? Why would you want to deliberately kick a ball across the line so you could claim a blue card? <laughs> because, John there's the potential of awards at the end of the season for individuals and clubs. So if an umpire awards a blue card during the game, at the end of the game they detail that uh, instance, the, 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 the grand gesture that the individual had made on the field, it goes off to the league or the National Association or whoever uh, judges this stuff. All of that information is compiled, that data is put together and at the end of the season there'll be the blue card awards alongside the you know the goal scorer of the year and player of the year and all that sort of stuff blue cards the blue cards what do you think you like it <laughs> no it's a terrible idea what why do you think well give me your opinion not because i know you haven't read keely's opinion apparently she loves it um i didn't get to the last i didn't get to the last couple of paragraphs but uh apparently she's a bit a big big fan of oh, okay, yeah, yeah. um, i um, i don't get the feeling that that's correct actually what just are your the thoughts, idea John? of no, it sounds what are your like thoughts, that's John? Like, what are my thoughts what well, on rewarding people for doing what they probably shouldn't be doing anyway yeah um and 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 giving that power to the umpires to decide why why are we blowing the whistle oh, hang on i'm an umpire now i'm an umpire i like the idea of the power I like it. I just yeah, don't get it. Idea. I don't. I don't get it. Um, and, and to the point where it's so intrinsic in with, within me that it's wrong that I can't explain it. Does that make sense? Like, why are you why are you blowing the whistle and stopping the game to hold up a cl- card and say, "Oh, well done. Oh, that was that was nice of you." Okay. I mean, Keeley's article raised a couple of interesting points. One is that. Um, perception of favour to one team over another team uh, with with such a simple gesture and why is it the place of the umpire to be doing that it's they're supposed to be totally neutral through through the piece so you know but yeah both both valid points I, 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 look personally um, this season if an occurrence occurred where I, I scored a goal, but actually I hadn't really scored a goal, I'd stuffed it up and given away a free hit. And the other, I would probably own up to it. I'm playing over 50s, I don't really give a toss. Oh, I stuffed it, beauty, move on, no, sorry guys. Everybody goes, yeah, 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 well, moves on. Mate, 
If I'm stop, playing my stop, first test, no, test for Australia, I ain't sticking nothing up for nobody, mate. That goal stands and I'm back in the centre line waiting to go. I know, I've got a bigger issue at the moment, mate. Three weeks away from the season and this is your soft attitude to throwing away <laughs> victories for our club. No, 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 no. no. It's not right. Well, no, d- 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 bleed black and white, mate. Yeah. You're doing it for the team, you're doing it for the club. We don't want to see little ones in the losses. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about the ladder then, actually. I've been looking at the FIH ladder on uh, uh, FIH.live. So the Pro League, the Pro League yeah. ladder on FIH. No, Belgium have got nine points from winning two games and drawing none and losing none, apparently. Still, it's still on there. Interesting. Oh, not interesting, bloody lazy. But I think the blue card idea should be shut down as quickly as humanly possible. Okay, well, it won't be because it's in place there in Belgium this year. The last thing I want umpires to do is worrying about who's actually not doing anything wrong. Look, (laughs) I reckon the what already happens with the blue card is that you get a stubby put in your hand after the game by the opposition captain or or, or somebody from the the opposition group, and they go, thanks for that, we appreciate that, spirit of the game. At the right tournament, that's fine. I would not like to see something like that instituted at higher level um, hockey or high performance. Well, Do we call it high well it's top end. That's what they do. That's it's top end that it's happening. Yeah, no, don't get in, rid of it. It's Belgium. not needed. It's just look, don't stop the game just so an umpire can tell someone that they're nice to people. Well, unless they've had you know major disciplinary issues, and this is part of a suite of measures that they're putting forward to. Um, am I still saying this? <laughs> <laughs> Leave it alone. We should move on to something else. We've got through, oh, Dutch. Let's talk about the Dutch. Both the Dutch as in the space between Australia and New Zealand and the Dutch as in the <laughs> nation on the edge of Come Europe. On, let's cover, all right, let's, yeah, start with New Zealand. More in the press this week from Sir Owen Glenn. Uh, you might remember who's the uh, one of the major benefactors or the major um, private benefactor for the New Zealand Black Sticks uh, threatened to take away uh, or certainly suspended the two a uh, million dollars of the two million dollars um, to New Zealand hockey over the Mark Hagar uh, let's just say affair and the report that came out but didn't come out and uh, everything around that uh, quite interesting to read um, this is from the New Zealand uh, Herald. Um, let me give you a couple of uh, Sir Owen's quotes here. Um, They're so, pretty good. Uh, it wasn't Hockey New Zealand that did anything. Mark said it's passed. Let it go. I don't want to keep fighting. It's clearly wrong, but I don't want to keep fighting. So he just said, I've moved on, so let's just accept it. But all of those Hockey New Zealand people who have apologised are still there. So this is um, Sir Owen Glenn um, agreeing to release the suspension and put the funding back into the New Zealand Blacksticks women's program. Um, however, the, the paper reports the January and February payments won't be backdated. Instead, they've gone to Hagar himself. And Glenn says, the two months payments that I would have given the women's team, I've given to Mark Hagar. It will allow him four return trips to see his family. His family have now settled in New Zealand and obviously he's in England and they don't want to go there. <laughs> obviously Um, he's had to suffer I just hope I've softened it but some of them the players are frankly stabbing him in the back but they've been guaranteed an anonymity the whole governance of sport in New Zealand needs to be addressed I'm not sure who would look at it but somebody needs to it's not just hockey it's cycling and rowing and all sorts of things 
Um, now, uh, Sir Owen offered some advice to the incoming uh, Black Six coach, Graham Shaw. I don't know him. He did well for Ireland, took them to the World Cup final. I have no opinion on him, though. I wish him well. I only hope he looks at his contract. Glenn said. Um, but the, the, the actual headline of this entire article um, was that uh, he was going to um, take away all funding that, that he provides to New Zealand sport after 2020 unless there's dramatic changes with, with their systems. Um, he's obviously he's got a voice over there and he's got a big wallet. Oh, yeah. it, it's funny what this case throws up and in some sports, a, a bloke like Owen Glenn might own an NFL franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think there's there's this crossover between between professional and what, for the want of a better term, pretends to be professional sports like hockey or a lot of those sports he's talking about are Olympic sports. They're not. Oh, that's something he's funded a lot over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and and good on him. We need the support of those people, but at the same time, you know, there's it was the owners of NFL clubs or large sporting organisations, um, Premier League soccer teams, European, blah blah. Yeah. Sometimes the owner thinks that because they own them, there's a crossover into the way that the organisation's got to run, and it's not the first time that 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 has um, got in the way of. Olympic sports, which are predominantly and largely supported by government organisations and a private entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, you know, and it can, when you enter into deals and you are one of these organisations, such as hockey is in New Zealand, it predominantly relies on the Olympic movement to, to maintain the way their national squads, etc. Yeah. That, um, when you, when you take on that, that sponsorship you get from Owen Glenn, there's always the danger that that guy is going to expect more than you can actually deliver, and and vice versa. It could go he delivers more than you than you thought. You know what I mean? There's so many so variables. There, it's it, just and, such and, a complex and, argument and about look, think, whether who's right or wrong, well, or if there is a right and wrong. But, well, I think if you if if you, you're going to want to say if you're putting a huge amount of money in like that, but should you have a say, and should you, as an individual, if you look in, introspectively with it, that um, why am I giving the money? Is it a pure benevolence, or is it because I want to have a say in how things are done? And and this is arguments we're going to have to have in the future as hockey moves from where it is at the moment into trying to be, actually be a truly professional sport, Yeah. which leads us to talking about the other across the Dutch. Well, yeah, the... Uh, uh, a lot of noise coming from the Dutch direction this week with regard to Pro League, and it almost seems like it's something that um, could be spearheaded by the National Association there. We've had uh, top-level coaches all speaking out. Alexander Cox from Kampong, the Orangi Rude coach, has spoken out, a couple of the others, about uh, their dislike of the Pro League competition. Obviously, they're all very upset about it because they're losing a lot of their top players. Um well, to some respect, a lot of the top players also aren't playing pro league at the moment, and there's, uh, in inverted commas, B teams that are, are taking the part for some nations, including Argentina, actually. Who, I think they had 15 available at the weekend. Yeah, they uh, didn't fill the team sheet. No. Nah. Um, 
Billy Back had spoken out about it, and it's you know guys like like Billy at a certain stage of his life with kids and family and work commitments. Yes, work because they're not part of a, a fully funded na- national program uh, there in the Netherlands. Uh, there's an interesting. Well, you could argue they're not fully funded here in Australia either. No, absolutely, absolutely. You, you, you're right. Even though they're in a national setup. Um, comments from. This is from on the hockey.nl site from Carly Ann Dirks van den Hervel. Um, interesting to get a player's perspective here, John. I have never been a fan of the Pro League. I won't do the voice. I've never been a fan of the Pro League. I understand the purpose of the FIH. They want the sport to remain Olympic. I want that too. But the Pro League demands a lot from internationals. She goes on to say, Moreover, they said the stadiums would be full. Well, it was a sad affair sometimes. The players travel all over the world for that. Or take the men from Germany who travelled all the way to Argentina. Argentina, Their game was cancelled. They got one point. While it's an Olympic qualifying tournament, I would have been really... Oh, while it is an Olympic qualifying tournament, I would have been really pissed off. I understand that the FIH wants to try something, but I wonder if the Pro League will keep it going. I, w- I would like to enter the World League again, or even better, the Champions Trophy. A champions Trophy would be nice to see back, just quietly. Look, Jacques okay. Br- Brinkman put a post uh, underneath that as well, um, looking for uh, more money for the inter- internationals uh, and FIH technical director. Um, the comment, the, the post starts off with uh, uh, coaches, players, and officials destroy their own sport. Um, so uh, there's a f- yeah a fair bit of debate happening across the Netherlands uh, with regard to their international setup. And it should be should be said that um, Netherlands are an interesting position of all of the pro league countries, in that their players can make decent money out of playing at club level. Yeah, but so, but but in Max Cowdes you've got a coach there that demands that international hockey comes first, and that and that's the pinnacle. Um, so they're in a very difficult situation as players and, and if they go no I don't fancy going to New Zealand and Australia I've actually got this work stuff on and uh, my wife's got to do this or, or my husband you know, with, with the girls in the same situation uh, but with, with Kairos he's like nah this might damage your future opportunities and you can't blame him for having that view that's his job as a coach he wants his best players available and would to work to his plan and that's what he's employed to do. Um, let's leave it there because you could talk about this for hours on end. You're listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Time now to have a featured interview. It's not our featured interview though, from Matt. It's uh, we stole one. We're very grateful. We Wasn't are really a steal. No, you know, we we asked. We did ask yeah, for us, yeah. yeah. Um, Ashley Morrison, in his recent edition of Not the Footy Show, featured an interview with Craig Sieben, who is a South African, who is involved with coaching Canada, and lives in the Netherlands. Uh, it's a, a really yeah. interesting. A lot, uh, lot of story. club hockey uh, in in the Netherlands as well through his yeah. coaching career. And it's a, it's a great uh, interview. It's a really interesting journey, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. Thanks to Ashley Morrison and Not The Footy Show. Here is Craig Sieben. Craig Sieben, welcome to Not The Footy Show. Hi, Ashley. Thanks for having me. 
Well, the reason I wanted to catch up and have a chat with you is I thought your story was a really interesting one in that, you know, as a child growing up in South Africa, um, what were your sort of sporting ambitions initially? Well, I, uh, I came from a small town, so uh, it was always to be the best. And there I managed to, to be one of the, the better players in my sports, cricket and hockey, um, hockey on grass, of course, uh, back then. Um, and it, it was just to play the game and, and to try and be the best, of course. Now, I mean, did you obviously move from that small town then to a bigger centre to get into a, a, a larger team where the competition for places was greater, like most people? Uh, yeah, we, we, we have a provincial district set up, so every year I got to uh, challenge myself at the, the, the highest level representing our district. Uh, that was in the B section, of course, and there we were, uh, we were not very good um, because of the fact we came from such a small uh, talent pool and where the game wasn't uh, very well developed. And eventually, after my schooling, I, I did. I went to the, the Big Smoke. I went to Cape Town, um, and I did my studies there, and I went to go and play there, where I joined the club, uh, Pinelands Hockey Club, and uh, I tried to, to make the men's first team there. But I was always the one getting the phone call from the coach uh, the day before the game, saying, you haven't quite made it, or you're going to sit in the dugout, and maybe you get to play. Uh, so always trying, but um, physically couldn't quite uh, join that group. So was there a stage where you opted for hockey or over cricket? Because you said you were talented at both. But was it hockey your first love? Ta talented might have been a stretch. <laughs> Ambitious and, and passionate, definitely. Um, well, at school I played both. Uh, just what happened was is I, I excelled further in my hockey. Um, I, I put more and more time into that. And uh, depending on which season I played each, uh, but I definitely excelled further at my hockey, uh, which led me to spend more time doing hockey. I also, at a younger age, um, uh, 16, I started giving training because uh, our, our girls' second team didn't even have a coach at our school. And I knew some of the girls in there, so I wanted to help out. Uh, and so I spent more and more time with the sport of hockey. I got my first stick when I was three. My father played, so it was a sport that I was more connected to than cricket. But at that age, you gave me any ball, uh, any sport, I wanted to play it. Yeah, I think we were all a little bit like that when we were young. But um, you, you said, obviously, then you were, you were pushing for the first team, but always the one being left out. So was that when you made the decision that maybe playing's not the pathway for me? Maybe as you've been helping out with the women's team, that coaching might be your way to the top? Yeah, I had one, uh, one clear moment in my life. That's where I went on a gap year to England. I went to a school there, um, and my, my mentor at that stage, uh, Gordon Opie, uh, who was a legendary player in Canterbury, uh, he, uh, he actually opened my eyes up to the enjoyment of, of training and coaching. So I went over there to go and be involved in the school and to coach sports and to help out, but also to play for, uh, for his club, uh, City of Bath. And uh, that was a wonderful year, but it was definitely a year where I figured out that studies-wise, I just needed to do that, that side of things to make mom happy. But uh, I wanted to train, I wanted to coach, I wanted to be involved in, uh, in sport. And so after that, I carried on uh, with cricket as well as, as hockey, but hockey was definitely my preference uh, already. And at that stage, I, w I was trying to make the, the men's first because that was when I was in Cape Town. 
Um, as, as it typically goes for many coaches, uh, I, I pushed too far. I picked up injuries. Uh, I picked up uh, shin splints, which turned into stress fractures. And I had to spend the time away from the game playing-wise, but I could carry on training and coaching. And in that period, I just picked up so much, uh, some, so many hours of training and coaching that when I had to make the decision, I was fit enough to come back. I actually realized that I enjoyed the, the, the training and coaching more. I could help people get, uh, or help people do things that I couldn't do physically myself. Um, and I, I got that enjoyment. So from then onwards, it was always socially uh, playing. And that was yeah, 22, 23. Um, it was never serious playing anymore. And was it at that stage you then decided that, you know, in that coaching training space, you wanted to maybe try and carve out a career in that area? Um, not yet. Uh, I, I definitely knew I wanted to put as much time in as possible. Uh, but as soon as I finished my studies, I was rudely awoken by the, the reality in South Africa that I needed to get a job. Uh, I needed to be supported and that job wasn't hockey. And there were no full-time jobs or even part-time jobs in hockey. So I, I started a, a job as marketing sports courses. That was nice because it gave me the flexibility to stay involved in, in training and coaching. At the same time, I started my own business where I could run um, private coaching and, and clinics and, and camps. That was uh, the vision and the idea. Um, I had started up uh, high performance training for our, our province, uh, Western province, uh, to try and develop the hockey. And those two things eventually became a clash because I had to work a full job between 30 and 40 hours. And then I found the training and coaching side was also feeding up between 20 to 30 hours a week. And it just wasn't a manageable uh, situation anymore. And I once again at that point decided that uh, I, I needed to step out, and so I, I went off to the UK. Uh, I coached the Cambridge men for a year and focused just on hockey. And it was certainly in that period of time that I decided that uh, I wanted to make a career out of this. And the only way I saw that possible was um, to start up a, a hockey shop uh, in South Africa that I could manage uh, during morning hours and then get someone else to manage when I needed to go to the field. Uh, and I was able to do this with a, with a business partner, um, and yeah, we we were able to grow up a, a hockey shop. I also brought back the the brand Princess um, to South Africa, and that gave us a, a foothold to have something to start. Meanwhile, my focus was uh, getting as many hours on the field as possible. Now, I'm just interested as well. If you were doing those courses and marketing those, I would have thought they were other sports as well. So, have you always felt? that you can learn and take tidbits from other sports and other coaches from other sports and put them into what you're trying to achieve? Certainly, certainly. Um, definitely. In South Africa, we have such a rich uh, culture inside of rugby, of course, um, and uh, inside of cricket. And those are, are, are sports, while I didn't play rugby, those are definitely sports that I, I, I learned from. Um, and I really appreciated my, my time doing the, the courses inside of cricket because when I was doing my studies, the, the courses for hockey were poorly developed and they were in a transition phase between uh, the South African courses and then the Dutch coming in, the KNHB, and helping rewrite uh, the, the courses for hockey. So I got a lot more value out of the cricket courses regarding coaching, player management, uh, those types of topics than I actually did on the hockey side. While on the hockey side, I, I went over after genuine knowledge, 
And there I was fortunate to have uh, Paul Revington at the time. He was involved in the, the national men's side. And yeah, he is just a, a legend of our game in South Africa. He was starting a movement of, of sharing knowledge and um, connected to, to some very knowledgeable coaches. Uh, he was able to bring top knowledge to South Africa. Um, and that's one of the moments which was it's quite a defining moment for me is he had a five nations which he had arranged with uh, Germany, Australia, Spain, uh, the Netherlands and South Africa. And he ran a coaching course with uh, Maritz Hendricks, uh, Barry Dancer, Schurt um, yeah, all of these top, top coaches. And I was able to attend that. And that's uh, that's definitely a place where I was able to learn more. It's also a moment where I went to um, Maritz Hendricks and I said to him, I need to get in touch with top knowledge in uh, in Europe. How can I go about that? And uh, he introduced me to uh, Thomas Stichelman, who uh, runs uh, Sportsways. And he said, well, you should go and be involved in uh, hockey camps in, in the Netherlands. And yeah, through getting involved with uh, with Thomas, I, I did that. And I also was able to bring uh, hockey camps to South Africa, which uh, we still do now. It must have been frustrating, though, that in South Africa there was so little opportunity and, and you almost had to create the opportunities yourself. Um, yes, uh, if I look back at it, uh, it was, and that's, that's something that I would like to try and contribute towards. However, I can, I can also see the benefits. I was at a very young age with very little experience, uh, afforded many opportunities to, to further myself. Um, I, I ended up being a head coach at the University of Cape Town uh, at a very young age. And that was only because there were fewer coaches uh, willing to make the step to be seriously involved in hockey and give up their time for that. Um, so, yes, it, it was frustrating because there were very few avenues to, to come into contact with good knowledge and, and have other colleagues who were uh, full-time involved in hockey. Uh, however, it did give me opportunity to develop by... Uh, taking in those positions. Uh, in my, my last years in South Africa, I coached uh, the provincial men's outdoor under-21s, uh, indoors, youth. Uh, I was involved in many tournaments, many different experiences, uh, which definitely shaped uh, who I am today as a coach. Uh, so those opportunities were there, but the knowledge was lacking. And that's certainly one of the things that uh, for the last nine years I've, I've contributed towards is bringing uh, Dutch, mainly Dutch, but European knowledge to South Africa every year uh, where we run coaching courses uh, and we run uh, hockey clinics. Fantastic. Now, I mean, you made that decision to move to Europe and obviously to broaden your knowledge. Was it a difficult thing to do because it's like kind of, who's Craig Seaven when you go over to Europe? Because there are all these ex-players whose names you've mentioned in the coaching sphere, was it difficult to get your foot in the door? Certainly, certainly, because uh, as a young guy from South Africa, you think, hey, I write up a shiny CV with all the things I'm doing, and as I mentioned, I was fortunate to be doing quite a quite a few top teams in South Africa, but what, what is a top team? How do you compare? Um, you know, if you say you're playing in the Grand Challenge in Cape Town, what exactly does that mean? It's not even a national competition. It's just a little regional competition. So uh, I got those questions very often of what does this mean on your CV? We can see it, but what is? how do we compare the levels? 
so that was very challenging. Um, I was fortunate enough to, to come in contact with a club who were looking for a coach in their youth. And they had a very talented team, but they were a little family club. And I went to go and be involved uh, and, and give trainings to see if, uh, if they wanted me to join. And it was through that process where eventually the door opened and they said, well, we're also looking for an assistant at our men's team. And they were playing Aufgangsklasse, uh, the, the second highest level here. Uh, and so I, I was very fortunate uh, in, that, in that regard. And I, I started off at one club uh, doing many hours in the youth. Uh, talking full Wednesdays uh, with the youngest till the oldest, uh, but also being involved with the men's side as assistant. Well, you've, you've obviously been involved now with a few men's sides. You've been assistant coach to the Austrian men's team and you're at Dragons at the moment. I mean, you've worked your way up. Obviously, you've still got goals to go further, I'm sure. Uh, yes, however, I, I find myself in a, in a great position at the moment. Um, when I came to, uh, to Europe, I, I came with the ambition of trying to be involved in the most professional setups that I could do, uh, ones that would uh, fit my mindset. I want to put all my time and energy into hockey, so I want to work with others who would like to do the, the same or aspire to do the same. Uh, and I've been fortunate in the Netherlands to, to be involved in a few teams uh, like that. And then, yeah, two years ago, I made the step towards uh, Dragon, where I'm the assistant there. Uh, and that is truly an environment that is uh, as professional as you can find at, at club level, um, which allows me to, to put in a lot of time into, into hockey, um, yeah, which uh, I couldn't be happier doing. It's a perfect time to be in Belgium. I mean, they're the world number one and the world champions. And I would think that hockey is just absolutely on a high. I mean, the scenes when they returned from the World Cup were just amazing. Certainly, certainly. Um, yeah, I, I was on the, 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 the tail end of it a little bit, uh, if I describe it like that. The, the team that I went to go and join, um, they had six uh, national team players in, so um, six uh, silver medalists from Rio. And that core of that Dragons team was actually from the youth of Dragons. So the club itself played a, a fantastic role in the rise of Belgium hockey. Uh, I didn't contribute towards that. I got to uh, enjoy in that. Um, but that was definitely part of the attraction to go there, to be able to train that high uh, level of, of athlete. Uh, but to experience in the year going to, to go and play fixtures at clubs, which are brand new, they've had to change from location because their previous location was just too small. Um, the, the sport is growing immensely in Belgium uh, and uh, obviously giving them challenges along the way. Uh, just to name a few clubs like uh, Racing or uh, Leopold uh, in, in Brussels, they physically don't have more space on their premises to, uh, to house all the people that want to play the sport, which is, uh, which is fantastic. And I think that that rise uh, inside of Belgium, if well managed, will, uh, will bear fruit for, for the coming years. That's fantastic news for the sport of hockey. One, one thing that I'm really interested in with, with, is in coaches is do you see your role as, I suppose in a way it falls between both parts, like are you there to develop the young players and make them a better player, or is it all about teaching them the systems to get the results on the pitch? I mean, is your emphasis on the skill side, or is it on the system, or both? 
Uh, yeah, there, there has to be a balance of, of both. Um, we try to approach it from a skills development side. Uh, if, if I don't teach you all the, the, the skills that you would need to, um, to, to be able to find the solutions, then you're going to struggle to find those solutions or execute them at least. However, the other side is, is that you know, we play quarters now, but for at least 15 minutes, uh, those players need to make all their decisions for themselves. Uh, we can uh, blow our egos up as much as we want as, as coaches and trainers, but it's up to them. They need to do it. So I, I try to find a balance in that. Uh, Training-wise, we dedicate amount of time to developing the techniques and the skills that will be required, but the rest is about uh, trying to solve problems and trying to solve those as effectively as a unit, as, as a team together. Um, and then also individually being able to see those options, make better decisions. And that's, that's probably where 80% of, of my time goes into is trying to help uh, players make better decisions. So whether it's video that I've just finished for the morning of uh, the game yesterday or preparing a training that looks like some of the problems that we had on the weekend um, to make sure that those players can solve them better in the future. It's a great answer. And it was the sort of answer I was hoping you were going to say because – to me, there's so many people want to try and run before they can walk today and they want to play these systems. But if you don't have those basics and if you don't have the grounding as to what to do in certain situations, you're never going to make it, are you? Correct. And there, there has been an interesting wave come through our sport um, of uh, game-related play. So training, but training games. And there was a, a misinterpretation of that, that if you take youth and you just allow them to play games, they will learn the game. And that is a misrepresentation of uh, research. Uh, what that research actually says is that in game environments, we are able to learn more specifically towards the games. But those need to be structured, simulated games. And there is a level of skills that is required to be able to execute those games. So it, it's definitely a balance, um, that's for sure. And that's what we try to implement in the youth, and that follows through to, to the men as well, certainly. Well, Craig, it sounds like it's been a long journey from that small town in uh, the bottom of South Africa. But uh, where to next? I mean, are you just enjoying the ride and, and just collating all that knowledge in your head and just seeing what comes? Certainly. I, I feel like I'm only just uh, beginning with this journey. Um, I, I have been here now seven years in Europe. Uh, every year has been for myself personally a step forward. Uh, but when I'm busy, it's just about the next training session because uh, to be able to stand on the, on the field with a group of uh, motivated athletes and, and see them improving and be able to contribute towards that, that's what I enjoy. Uh, that's what I get the most uh, enjoyment out of, certainly. An uh, example is I'm now assisting with the uh, Canadian ladies and they have relocated from Canada to be based in Europe. All their athletes are in Belgium and in the Netherlands. They train centrally together on a Tuesday and a Wednesday, uh, something that you, you would never have thought. But to see how committed those ladies are uh, and see how much space there is for growth with, uh, with their ambition, uh, that's a very enjoyable uh, project to be involved in for myself because I, I can feel that I can make an impact with them. And also, they've got that willingness to want to learn. Certainly, certainly. And uh, that's where you see it. That's the most rewarding, of course, is, is when you can try to bring something across. You can see that it, it lands, um, and then you can see it back in play. 
and groups of athletes like like these Canadian ladies who have left their lives behind, literally. Of course, it's it's wonderful to say I'm coming to play club hockey in, in Europe, but they have left their loved ones, they've left some of them, their studies behind, they've put them on pause, they've come over here for one singular goal, uh, to see people in that state doing that for their sport, uh, that's fantastic, and that's the type of environment that I would like to be involved in. Well, you did exactly the same, and you're enjoying it. And uh, look, it's brilliant catching up with you, Craig. I could keep talking, but maybe we'll catch up again as you continue your journey coaching uh, all the teams from around the world. And I'm sure we'll hear a lot of you in the future. Well, anytime, Ashley. And uh, yeah, thanks for your uh, your promotion of the sport and all you do for it. Uh, definitely a, a voice of hockey, and we need more of those. So thank you for your time. <laughs> thanks very much, and you take care. Will do. Cheers. You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. And thanks so much to Ashley Morrison and Not the Footy Show for that great interview with Craig Sieben uh, from the Canadian national team. And you great can stuff. find many more fabulous interviews. That's in right. Well, Not the Footy show, show, as we've mentioned before, there's lots of varied sports uh, uh, topics covered in the show not just hockey but there's some real real little hockey gems in there as well there are and read the blogs too they're quite interesting whilst we're mentioning mentioning another podcast uh, Hockey 24-7 Tyron number two's out already as we were recording I've just seen it pop up in the social feed so uh, one of I think it's the the player of the tournament for the women's indoor IPTs Get set to look, listen to that. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of podcasts to listen to at the moment. You're not so great. Not li- it's fantastic, mate. It's fantastic. Just too many. Can you just slow down on the totally pro league? Maybe you know, do one every ten days or something for no, me, please. One a week. Got to do one a week. Great, great stuff. You can yeah continue to catch otherwise. that. Uh, where else do we go now? Uh, we're mentioning pro league before, John. Uh, oh yeah. I think it's about time we got a sponsor for it because all the all the rumours that I'm hearing is that uh, everyone's skint and uh, there's cuts uh, going to happen left, right, and centre to all um, facets of the pro league just to keep it going. Um, and uh, yeah, there may be trouble ahead. Well, I think it's fair to say from the very beginning we saw the greatest hurdle to the pro league as being a financial one. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not sure that the FIH fully appreciated what their endeavour was was going to cost them, and and perhaps they overestimated the response to it. Perhaps I well, don't know. Yeah, a lot of the original um, instigators of and, and dreamers for the plan are no longer uh, I, in situ. I think we're being a bit early on co- making a call on it, though. I would give it a, a far more breathing space. I would argue that we haven't hit Europe yet. And I think you'd find that the way, even the way the fixtures are designed, is that that was going to be the time when it, they have to make it big and and bold and all those words. It's uh, packed and loud. Packed and loud. But but it's when it hits Europe, I think it'll take on a, a slightly different life than it has when it's been spread across the southern hemisphere. Yeah. Um. And and games will all be played around the same time. If you know what I mean. So, you know, if you're going to be watching Pro League, it's going to be on at around the same time every time it's on, as opposed to at the moment where you've got games in Argentina yeah. or a blah yeah. spread hard across to, the hard globe. Hard to schedule. It, it's a lot harder to schedule. Yeah. The other side of it is, uh, I also think that the crowds they've had in the Southern Hemisphere have 
been disappointing. Sydney was certainly disappointing. Well, that's on this weekend. Hopefully, yeah. they're, they're, yeah, bums off. First seat. Come on, Sydney. You know, there's two games there. That's a big worry. Are they only going to turn out for one of those two games? As you perhaps yeah. mentioned, people might be saving yeah. up for a particular game. Crowds in New Zealand, as as much as they've made a noise when they had to, I think the crowds there have been less than what the FIH would have been hoping for. I just for. don't get that five o'clock time slot, though, on a Friday afternoon over there. Particular, days. yep. Um, and there are issues to work through. It's beta. It's pro league beta. I, and, and my my opinion of whether the pro league should have been started or not is on the public record. So we'll leave that there. It's on. So we're going to do pro totally pro. Yeah, league oh, and of course. Et no, no, we've, we've said we, we we're going to support it, but it's, there are issues we've, surrounding yeah, we've got, it. We've that, also yeah. got to ask the questions as well, haven't That's we? Right. We've got to ask the questions. Um, talking about asking questions, somebody asked a question of us, or we asked a question of the audience uh, last week. With regard to disciplinary matters uh, on field and the amount of time allowed to challenge, uh, well, not challenge a decision, but r- raise an issue with with who, uh, with the match official or the TD or yeah, whoever yeah. it might be. Richard uh, Wilson. Richard, and it's not the first time Richard's been in touch to correct oh, really? us. Oh, yeah, a couple of months ago, Rich <laughs> corrected us on something. Thank you, Which Richard. is great. Perfect. Thank you so we much. Love yeah, we love being corrected. We're talking a lot of rubbish. Uh, let us know. No, don't don't all of you let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Just the <laughs> factually incorrect stuff, please. Okay, should we go through the factually incorrect? I don't know if we're factually incorrect, but um, uh, Richard sent us through a message uh, with basically the FOH Pro League regula- regulations uh, telling us what if the match manager determines that a breach of the code of conduct may have occurred he or she will gather all relevant material and evidence and forward it to the chief executive officer within two hours of the end of the match which is what you kind of said wasn't it well uh, sort of I was under the impression that once the coaches have signed it right, and, the, it. and then yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the, the match manager had signed it that was it and now whether that means that they've, they've got a two hour window in which they can make these complaints and they don't have to sign the card or but the process okay, he, read, he read, read, down, read on yeah. with it anyway um, yes we'll gather all relevant material and evidence and forward it to the chief executive officer within the two hours of the end of the match having determined that the breach of the code may have occurred the match manager shall advise the team manager of the participant involved that a report is being compiled and any and collect any comments, statements and evidence from the participant alleged to have breached the code of conduct. So, sorry, does that mean that Thierry's on speed dial 24 hours a day? No, 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 the, the uh, Chief Executive Officer. Yeah, oh, Thierry. it must be. Uh, of that tournament? That's a, no, Chief no, 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 Executive. No, no, yeah, no, everything reverts right up to the, the, the top of the chain for the final decisions for things. Um, so when a game's happening in, at 3am in, in Europe... Is Thierry's phone there, ready to go? Hello. Hello. FIFA? FIH. No, it's FIFA. FIH. I think. Oh, it's CCC, FIH in the office. I think it's FIH. Oh, maybe you're dreaming, Thierry. Um, yeah, so it goes up to Thierry. Sorry, carry on. Upon receipt, upon receipt, upon receipt of the match manager's report, the chief executive officer will forward it to the judicial panel. The judicial panel will decide whether a code of conduct hearing is appropriate. And where's that going to happen? It's there. 
That's what happens. So we're, we're just telling you so what the, happens. So the as-is situation with tournaments as opposed to pro league is, you've got that scroll down. Oh, scroll but, down. Yeah, yeah, That's the rest going. of the message. Uh, World Cup regulations indicate that the technical delegates shall have jurisdiction to deal with breaches of the code of conduct during the tournament unless the technical delegate is in breach, in which case the matter will be dealt with by the FIH chief executive officer. So no, it's the match official who deals with it. The technical delegate, not Thierry, so he doesn't get a phone call. Uh, unless we can edit unless, that out. Uh, no, unless the TD is the one who's who's breached. Yeah, in which case Thierry gets a phone call. After the international event has been completed <laughs> and at other times, any breaches of the code of conduct shall be dealt with by the FIH chief executive officer. Q telephone. Uh, who may refer matters Hello, to the F- marketing. <laughs> He may refer matters to he or she may refer matters to the FIH disciplinary commissioner for a decision if appropriate breaches of the code of conduct by FIH representatives and staff shall be dealt with in accordance to the FIH staff procedures. Yeah. Oh, Who deals with the poorly behaved CEO? <laughs> a oh no, that's no, we we've done that one already, haven't we? Yeah, we have yeah, done that we've one. Done that one already. Look, that's it, folks. That's what happens. So. Maybe Thierry gets a phone call. Maybe he doesn't. I think that's what we can gain from that, isn't it? Um, yeah. You There's know. a process in place. Um, Leaving and thank you on very a jet plane. <laughs> like, just, I'm out of there. Don't worry about it. We're on the plane. We're gone. Thank you, Richard, for posting that to us, though. We we do appreciate it. And, um, yep, you're basically right. And I'll stick by any bloke that's Facebook um, profile photo has him necking a stubby. <laughs> um, of course, Richard did get in touch with us on Facebook, John, forward slash the reverse stick. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter, both at the reverse stick. We'd love to uh, oh, just have you come along and join the party. Celebration times, come on. Good times. Good times. Yeah, I don't think on. you got that right then. Play that okay. back if you wouldn't mind, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just for This uh, is a reverse stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Just for reader, um, I am dressed in drag at the moment. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, India to Australia in May for some test matches, apparently. Just That's got, what we're got, hearing. Got that little whisper in. Uh, uh, another so Asia Cup. Out of camp. Uh, uh, an Asian World Cup. An Asian Cup Games Cup. Well, no, that's um, no. There's no name for that. No, it's not a tournament. No, didn't Drag Flick put something about a, a regional World Cup? Yeah, regional Asian Games World Cup. Uh, there's an, enough bloody tournaments in Asia, isn't there? Uh, Rachel Lynch, uh, if she plays this weekend, uh, world's best goalkeeper, uh, two hundred up for well Rach. Uh, and seriously, best goalkeeper in the world right now. Yeah. Um, if you've got to award such a thing, uh, man oh. or woman, had that in there. Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the reverse stick. (laughs) Announcement of two new Patreons over the past few days since we last recorded. Thank you so much to Robin Swindon of the Ipswich Sevens, Ipswich, Ipswich Sevens Hockey Club in uh, the east of England and also to Gregor Fischer uh, from the WAC Club in Austria. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, both for getting on and supporting the Reverse Stick through our Patreon account. If you want to support us through our Patreon account and 
get behind us with some of our hockey endeavours. It doesn't come cheap. It's a, a great toll to our health. Uh, and uh, we just need to put something into the life insurance fund to make sure our children are provided for for the future uh, you can get on and uh, contribute as little as $5 a month if you want to buy us a beer that's the way to go right the way through to $20 a month where we're going to write a club song for you uh, John O'Shea the goat man uh, it's coming it's coming we're working on it I'm not quite sure we don't think Harborn to be wild is quite quite the right thing but it's uh, there's stuff coming there uh, but yeah patreon.com forward slash the reverse stick help us out uh, before we go I've got a couple of bits of audio can I play them yeah I, sure I did play them during Totally Pro League with Andrew Wilson that you can listen to at the moment and Andrew was fantastic and a different perspective once again on Totally Pro League now these are clips that come from the Spain and uh, New Zealand game last Friday evening in New Zealand and <laughs> interesting game that featured six goals and a shootout at the end uh, but these are the sort of goals that you know when you're a hockey follower you just love because they just sound so good it's like being say a cricket follower would understand the perfect cover drive the sound it makes off the off the bat the ball hitting the stick and going bang and you just go oh that's going I think it's one of those ones that you you could turn around and look to the the person next to you in the crowd and you wouldn't have to make any noise or you wouldn't have to hear the noise to see the the ooh um, from the from from the the shape of your mouth that you go Ooh. yeah and look nothing against coaching or anything along the lines but coaches <laughs> no no I'm not having no, a terrible idea no but you know coaches love the the run along the back line and throw that chaos ball in front of the the goals and we see a lot of goals scored in hockey by that that chaos created by putting the ball just in the mouth goalies goal mouth and you know there's a lot of goals come from that sort of play but but the ones we all love to score oh, and the ones yes. that we all remember and the ones that when our head hits the pillow at night and you close your eyes and you just think back to oh it's a good take by Leonard edge of the circle looking to find a way in a shot and it's an opening goal well what a finish from Pau Kamada you cannot give him that space did you hear that crack? I did. Top of the day. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bang. Off she went. That sound. When you, as soon as you heard it, you went, that's going. That's. Uh, he, he got some fair pace through from that swing because he didn't have time for a full back swing on bringing that through. His feet yeah. came around beautifully. He was a little bit off balance and ping. And it's a great striker's goal. Oh, I mean, he, he's trade. just inside the top of the D. Was he that goal number was four? Goal number four for the tournament so far? For the, yeah, I think it was. For the old fella? Yeah, and, and in the first minute of the game, he was obviously switched on. Bang! Thank you very much for coming. That audio comes from uh, Spark and TV New Zealand, who are the host broadcasters over there, and uh, FIH Live, and uh, Ashley Morrison calling the action now. Yeah, incre- incredible. Uh, Pau Kamada still doing it. 53 years old, 850th <laughs> uh, international game. Just great stuff. Really great stuff. Now the other, the next one that got me really excited was the Steven Jadesk goal. This sounds, oh, yeah. this sounds fantastic. Left a little bit of the tale of Ashley's um, commentary in there because they're actually talking about goals leading into this bit of uh, commentary. It, it caught him off guard. Doesn't often get caught off guard, but this one certainly did. And uh, I think he's been listening to the pro league too, mate. Totally pro league. The uh, yeah, goal averages. The FIH Pro League average at the moment in the men's competitions come down to five from six, five goals a game. And we've had no nil-all draws. There will be one shown, and that was, of course, the game where rain stopped the play and it didn't actually take past Germany versus Argentina. 
So it was recorded as a nil-nil and they shared the points. Jeunesse, what a finish! Stephen Jeunesse brought that down. Garin took a couple of steps off his line and Jeunesse just went bang. That's a beauty. Did you hear that crack? Uh, well, it, it was the crack and then the ping after yeah, as well. It was beautiful. Mate. And no, no wonder he was caught, up, caught off guard with it because that ball sailed virtually the length of the field to Jeunesse just inside the D, didn't it? Just yeah, well, I, I, I didn't slide down close enough to see whether it landed in the D or not, but he, it certainly landed near the edge of the D. An incredible pick-up and... and Turn and bang, yeah, yeah a real striker's got, and and you could have done done with that in the uh, in the score dream team, uh, the fancy league through, the, through the World Cup because he had a shocking World Cup. Two or three more of them would have done me nicely, thank you very much. I might have beaten you. <laughs> yeah, Look, thanks like, to to FIH Live TV New Zealand, and someone's just beat me on the old beeping computer thing, and um, spark there for. Well, it's a Wednesday audio. night, John, uh, so there's. Piece of big news happening today or in the next 12 hours uh, in the hockey world. You know it. Um, Guaranteed as soon as we press stop on this recording, all sorts of stuff's going to break Indian Indian men's coach is going to be announced and Terry Walsh has uh, uh, taken up the role. Oh, you'd like that check, wouldn't you? If he's taking that no, role. No, he's not check, he's Aussie, mate. Bow, bow, bow. About time I played the outro then, is it? Uh, it is, I think. Yeah, I think we're about done, aren't we, for show 86 of the Reverse Stick of Global Hockey Podcast. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to tell your mates, if you're on iTunes, get on and rate and review, like and subscribe if we're out there on the socials, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Give us a like, give us a retweet, a repost. Um, tag your mates in that competition is going to happen on the socials John for the Kookaburras singlet it's still there it's, 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 I'm giving it away I've just Good. had a busy week really busy week Okay. Uh, big shout out to uh, an old inspiration of mine uh, a gentleman called Graham Fisher in the UK uh, those of you in the Midlands would know of Fish he's not very well at the moment so lots of love going to Fish and the family and uh, Andrew Wilson, your idea of more vision from behind the goals. We'll talk about that soon. It's an interesting concept, Matt. Hello? Ah, uh, yeah, Thierry, uh... It's uh, uh, the, the technical official down here in Australia from the uh, recent pro, uh, pro League games. Oh, uh, how is it in Vienna? Uh, no, uh, Australia. It's uh, uh, it, it's Sydney. Oh, hello, Sydney. No, uh, no. Um, sorry, no. It's uh, it's John, the uh, match official down here. I've got a uh, um, a bit of an issue. We've uh, got a breach of the code. Uh, one of the uh, the players from the Spanish team hit one of the Aussie boys around the back, and he uh, uh, he wasn't too hurt, but uh, uh, he broke the stick, and it's caused a bit of an incident down here. Uh, what kind of stick? It was an Adidas Thierry. It was a bloody Adidas stick. Oh, uh, nothing wrong. Oh, is that it? <laughs> Go back to sleep, Thierry. I had a dream. There was a sponsor. <laughs>